verse 1. And he said unto Moses, speaking of God now, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses told the people all the words of the Lord, and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has, uh, has said will we do. Now, he had been up into Mount Sinai. He had received the Ten Commandments, the law, the Mosaic law. And there's more to the Mosaic law than the Ten Commandments. There are the, the, uh, there's the ceremonial law as well as the civil law. He hadn't got all that yet. But he had got the Ten and they promised to keep something they couldn't keep. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, rose up early in the morning, builded an altar under the hill, and twelve pillars, according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he set young men, the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood, put it on, or put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant. And read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has said will we do, and be obedient. Now they wanted to. That was their heart speaking, but they didn't know how weak their flesh was. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. I like the word then. With Moses up, and Aaron, and Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And, it, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand. And also they saw God and did eat and drink. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount. And be there. Boy, I like those two words. And I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up and his minister Joshua. And Moses went up into the mount of God. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Father, I'm thankful tonight for the privilege of being in this place. And I'm thankful, Lord, for the truth that was in the song Brother Steve just sang. And we aided him on. God, we shall be like him. I look forward to that day. But, oh, Father, uh, while we're in this day, while we're in this life, on this side, Lord of the river, so to speak, God, I want to get as close to you as I can. I want, to, I want to be like Jesus, Lord. I want to be like your son, my Savior. And I pray tonight as we look together, your people, and end of the 
reached into us. Hey God, that we might see ourselves as we ought to. That we identify where we ought to identify. And that we might, God, come away from this place moved and desiring, God, to move closer to you still. Thank you for who you are, what you are, for where you are, and for the fact, God, that you've called us up to thee. Help us to climb, God, so that we might commune with you. Praise you for it, because we ask it in the name of your Son, Jesus, our Savior, and all of God's people said, Amen. As we look at this passage, I'm not going to reread any particular verse out of this. We'll look at some, hopefully, as we go through it. But if I were going to draw our attention to anything, it would be in verse 12 where we find those two words I kind of emphasize. Be there. Be there. Boy, I'll tell you what, listen, it's important to be where God is. Amen. It's important to be where God would have us to be. So tonight for the little message. Tonight in light of the fact that we're going in revival, I want to ask you this question. Where are you? Where are you individually? Uh, uh, I, I'm asking uh, personally, where are you? Where, where are you physically? Where are you emotionally? Where are you spiritually in your relationship with the Lord? I could preach another question added on to that. Where do you want to be? Where would you like to be? Where should you be? Where are you? You know what? I'm persuaded with this. You may agree or disagree. You may like it or not. I believe we're where exactly where we want to be. We're going to look before the message is over, hopefully by the grace of God, at three different groups, I believe, that, that we can identify in the church. And you have to identify, uh, decide who you identify with. Now listen to what I'm going to say. In this passage, God uh, separated men. God said, I want 70 to come. I want you to bring Aaron and his sons, uh, Nadab and Abihu. I want you to bring Joshua, your minister. And I want you, uh, Moses, to come. And God set limits on them. God said, now you all stay right here. Moses, you come up a little higher. Hey, listen, when I call you into the cloud, Joshua, you have to stay on the outside. Hey, but listen, friend, though I'm preaching out of the, uh, the book of the Old Testament, though I'm preaching out of the days of the law, these things were written for our learning. Romans 15, 14 tells us. And you know what James says? Listen, we're not under the law. Everybody happy about that? Say amen. We're under grace. And James tells us, draw nigh unto God, and He will draw nigh unto you. So, where are you? Now, maybe there is something we could do between now and next Friday evening. Maybe we could set our own self a mental mark in our mind to see if we're as close as we want to be, used to be, and ought to be. And then when Wednesday night or Friday night has come, when the last benediction is, is given, the last amen spoken, we could, we could look at where we mark ourselves on, on a, on, on a chart of some sort, on a, on a, on a uh, bell curve, or, or anywhere that you want to see whether we're moving forward. I hope when we all get to the end of this week, we could all say that we're closer to the Lord tonight than we were last Sunday night. I hope it does something to move us. I certainly do. When we get to this place, in the book of Exodus, we need to remember that the children of Israel have been delivered out of 400 plus years of bondage. 
They'd come across part of the, uh, the, the wilderness of sin, went through the Red Sea on dry shod, saw God deliver uh, the nation of Egypt up to them, saw God uh, provide for them water and bread in the wilderness, and here they were, friend, here they were, a group of people um, that, uh, that were sons and daughters of the patriarch, uh, of the patriarchs, and God walked with them, but you know what God wanted to do with this new group of people? He wanted to dwell in our midst. You know where God wants to be here at Roxalana? Right in our midst. Everything we do, everything we say, everything we plan, God wants to be in our midst. He wants to be glorified. He wants to be honored. And by the way, He wants to bless us. So as we find them here, we find them 11 days, if I remember correctly. Maybe, maybe, maybe three months, come to think about it. I've forgotten before they got at the foot of Mount Sinai. But here they were, that great structure, that great edifice that God had forged out in creation long ago. And it already ascended or descended on the top of Mount Sinai. Some of the people were so frightened when he first came down, when the fire and the smoke and the trumpet sounded. And they said, Moses, look, we're going to stay here. You go talk to him, but we're close enough. Hey, friend, I don't know that we could ever get close enough. To the Lord. Poor illustration, and we don't use snuggles, so it's not a paid advertisement. We ought to want to do like that bear. We want to get we ought to want to get as close as we can. We ought to want to snuggle with the Lord. I'll give you an illustration. I, I wrote a little book. I've I've not done anything with it for a long time. When I had the first grandchild, Allison Marie came along, and the Lord began to speak to my heart about certain things, uh, natural things that had a spiritual application to it. I probably told you all this before because it's one of my favorites. I never will forget one Sunday, Todd Man or Misty brought uh, her over to us, and we were still at the mission at that time. And she was a little thing, and she was so pretty, had on a white had on a beautiful white sweater, and I had on a real good-looking, y'all say amen, a real good-looking black sports coat. Well, she come to my arms. They brought her up. Papa was proud, wanted to show her off. And when it come time for me to preach, I passed her off, gave her back to Todd. And, and you know, when I began to look at myself, I began to look at that good-looking black jacket. And y'all know what? It had white stuff all over it. The Lord said, listen, if you get close enough, close enough to me, you'll get some of me on you. We were snuggling. You understand what I'm saying? Allison Marie and me, that was the title of the book. It's expanded now, and it's so long. I don't have time to give it to you and preach. So, uh, but, but I learned some things like that. Hey, listen, friend, I've been so close to the Lord at times, and you have too. I'm not there right now. I, I wish I were. I'm not there right now. But I'll tell you, I want to be. I know what it's like uh, to reach out and like you could touch the end of his garment. I don't know about you, but I want to get closer. I want to go up on the mountain. I want to see what God looks like. I want to know what it sounds like. Listen, I, I can remember. I can remember that. Have you ever been praying honestly in your prayer closet and you just in tune with the Lord and you just found your hand raising up to read? To, to, I mean, it went. It just, it just kind of automatically come up because you thought, man, if you reach out, you're going to feel the hymn of his God. Have you ever been there? 
I'm telling you, it's not happened to me many times in, in my walk with the Lord, but I want you to know it's real. It can happen. And listen, though I couldn't feel him, I felt him. Hallelujah. He was right there with me. How I miss that, friend. Listen, I may be on the outside of the tabernacle. I may be in the court, but I know how to get to the inner uh, sanctuary. And I want to do what I can to get there tonight. I hope you do too. As we look at this, those words be there just kind of leap off of the page for me. Now listen to me, I don't know where there is for you. I don't know what group you may belong to, the 70, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Joshua, or Moses. And listen now, whatever is right for you, don't accept anything less. If God's calling you up higher than somebody else, you go on up. You be obedient to the Lord. And as you pass somebody, hey, look, don't step on them, but call them up and say, I'll be looking for you tomorrow. Are y'all with me? But don't hold back because somebody to the left of you and the right of you is. Don't come in here and say, well, Lord, I'll testify if three other people do. Bless God, if he's given you a testimony, when you get here, give it. If he's given you something to do, glorify God, friend. You know what? Unless we get to where God wants us to be, unless we get to our there, we'll never know what it is God's got for us. Let me ask you all something. I want it to be personal. Have you ever got so much of God that you didn't want more of him? You know, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing about God. He says two things to us. Now, when I was lost, I was thirsty and hungry. And so were you. I I needed something to uh, to satisfy me. Man, I I needed something that I could eat that satisfied the inner sanctuary of my soul. I was thirsty, spiritually speaking. And Jesus said two things. And I'll quote them exactly. You'll find them in the book of John's Gospel. You know what he said? Listen, I'm the water of life. And if you drink of me, you'll be satisfied. I'm the bread of life. If you eat of me, you'll be satisfied. Well, that's not true. The more I drink, the more I want. The more I eat, the more I want. But I'm satisfied with what I've got. Him. Meaning Him. Isn't that amazing? See, one of my favorite verses is... In the book of Matthew chapter 5, or forget the, the verse that it is where he said, Blessed is he that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for he shall be filled. So you're there may be a physical place. Let's face it. Before God can give some of us what he's got in store for us, we've got to be in the right place to get it. Some people aren't going to like this, but I'm going to preach it anyway. That place may be in the house of the Lord. We're living in a time when people aren't too serious about the house of the Lord. Many churches, wrongly advised, have stopped their Wednesday night services, their Sunday night service. You can't have a revival like that. Can't happen. God knew what he was doing when he chose the Greek word ecclesia to define his church as a called out assembly. Let's face it, things happen in church that don't happen anywhere else. It's not that we can't meet with God, not we can't commune with him, not we can't climb the mountain, not that we can't be touched by him and blessed by him. We can. 
And I'm going to tell you, friend, listen, God designed the church, put officers in it, equipped it, friend, to do things to equip the saints so they won't be deceived in a day of deception. And listen, this is a day of deception. It's running rampant. So physically, you've got to get there. You've got to get to that place, maybe of a private devotion. I'll be honest this morning, I'm not going to chastise you, but I'm a little disappointed. When, when, when's the last time we've hit this altar because we've been heartbroken for our lost people? Oh, it's awful quiet right now. When's the last time that, that, that we've been moved to uh, cry out to God and say, convict my mom, my dad, convict my brother, my sister, my wife, my husband, my son, my daughter, my neighbor, my enemy, my friend. When's the last time? Hey, listen to what I'm going to tell you. The Bible said, when Zion travaileth, she bringeth forth. Y'all awful quiet, it scares me. You know what's been happening down at Lone Oak has been amazing. But I've been paying attention, too, about some things that, that are going on down there. And I know every church has its personality and its way of doing things. Doesn't necessarily make one better or worse. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But I've been impressed every night that they've gathered around their altar and prayed. Y'all still pretty quiet. Now, at our place, when, we're out, when, when Debbie and I were at over in Boone County, man, listen, the altar prayer was one of the biggest parts of our service. And the sad part of it is, sometimes the one of the deadest part, because we spent too much time taking requests and not enough time praying about them. So, look, there's a balance and a way to do things for the glory of God, but I'm just saying, friend, maybe it's our place of private devotion and prayer. Maybe it's that place, friend, of service where we've laxed on God about. But I don't know about you, wherever it's at, I want to get there. I was praying this week in, in my personal devotion. God, I'm not sure what's going on. I'm not sure what I'm missing or what I've got in my life that I shouldn't have, that I need to get right. But here's what I told him. I said, listen, I want to know so I can do something about it. This thing that we live, the Christian life, is a walk of faith. And I want to tell you, when, when, when you're charged to get up before a group of people and feed them like 1 Peter 5 and 10 says, which is maybe the most important thing I do for you is to feed the flock of which the Holy Ghost has made me overseers. And, and listen, my, my spirit just isn't leaping for joy. And when there's nothing really leaping off the pages of the Word of God like it does off time, when I'm walking by faith and just simply being what God called me to do and just simply trusting in Him. here, Listen, I'm only here for a while. I'm only here for a while. So I don't know where you're at. You may be in a place similar to that, but by the grace of God, we'll move to another place. Let's pray and ask God to teach us what we need to learn in this place and seek to move on to another place. Have I lost you all? All right, you all are quiet. Number two, maybe, maybe it's an emotional place. An emotional place. You know, we've got not only to get to the right place, but we've got to be willing to receive what God's got for us when we get there. I've seen people be in the wrong place, but in the wrong shape, in the right place. 
They've got from the wrong place to the right place, and when they get there, they're in the wrong shape emotionally. Boy, we live in a strange world, do we not? Man, I'm telling you what the truth is. This 24-7 news cycle is one of the worst things that could have happened to our society. I mean, mean, if you listen to it all the time, man, you're talking about a Debbie Downer. You're talking about being as confused as a a termite in a yo-yo. You're talking about being depressed and in a bad place emotionally. If you listen to a lot of CNN or Fox or any of the rest, it'll put you in a bad place. So we need to move to the right place. Remember I told you a couple of weeks ago that what we ought not to do before we come to church on Sunday night or Wednesday night or any night of the revival, the worst thing we can do is listen to a news program. Hey, you can get messed up if you're just looking for the local weather if it's not the weather that you want. I mean, we're strange creatures. I'm not trying to be mean, but I am trying to be honest. Maybe we just need to get uh, to another place, a, a place, friend, where we're willing to submit. Now, listen to what I'm going to say here. And serve as God wants us to serve. I've had, we've had people that's come here and leave this place and then turn around and point a finger at us and say, they won't let you do anything at that church. Y'all know what I want to say to them, liar, liar, pants on fire? Now, I have learned what that means. After being in the ministry for some time, there's a lot of times I not only hear what is being said, but I hear what's not being said. You know what that means? They won't let me do what I wanted to do. It's not that there isn't service, worship, or, or, or opportunities to do something for the Lord. Here at Roxalana, there is. We've even made places for people. I'm going to tell you what, you may not always get what you want until you get to the place you, you, you ought to get what you want. Nobody ought to come in here and think, man, they're going to step up and start teaching the adult Bible class. We've already got one. We're not going to let somebody take Kathy Crow's place either. It may happen in time, but you understand what I'm saying? We've got to get to the place. Look, it's not just getting there, but we need to be willing emotionally to receive what God's got for us when we get there. I'm doing my best. I don't know how good it is, but I'm doing my best. Number three, we may not be in the right spiritual place when we get there. You know one of the best places that I've ever found myself to be is in the valley? That may surprise you. You might have thought I was going to say on the mountaintop. Now listen, brother, sister, it's sweet on the mountaintop. I like it. I like the new vistas that I see. I like the new sounds that I hear. I like the blessings that go with it. But let me tell you what, to be honest, it seems to me that I have learned more about two things, myself and my Lord when I'm in the valley than when I'm on the mountaintop. I'm more apt to be listening. I'm more apt to be sensitive. I'm listening. I'm searching. I'm looking. I'm saying, I ain't God. Is that you? I want to know that this is you. Will you touch me? Will you bless me? And boy, when you're in the valley, and I'll tell you what, he, he breathes a little bit of the fragrance of heaven on you. When a little bit of the Spirit of God blows by, there is no doubt that that warm zephyr wind doesn't come from the, uh, the pits of hell. It comes, bless God, from the throne of God. It's just, it's just amazing when we get in the right place. When we get in the right place. And sometimes, listen, not sometimes, but always, in order to get in the right place, you've got to move. And there's a kicker. I'll get that in just a minute. You see, the best place to be is where God designs 
and demands that we're to be. I believe we're all supposed to be at different places and yet similar places. And as in, it, it's important for the people, uh, as important for the people to be at the foot of Mount Sinai as it was for Moses to be on the top of Mount Sinai. Would y'all agree with that? See, it, it's not like I'm trying to preach that somebody is bigger, you know, big eyes and little U's. I'm saying, friend, we ought to get in our place. Our place. You see, it's what got a man by the name of Korah in trouble. He was of the tribe of Levi. His daddy was Korah. And uh, you, you know what he wanted to do? He, 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 had a great, he had a great work. If I remember correctly, he was, he was, he was charged, he and his uh, tribe, his family, not tribe, under the tribe of Levi, they were to carry the precious articles of furniture of the tabernacles. You know what? That didn't satisfy him. He wanted to get to the place that God hadn't called him to. He wanted to get to the place that God not, had not uh, made available to him. Even Aaron's two sons, we read about Nadab and Abihu here. I can take you to the book of Leviticus chapter 10 where that they, because they were drunk, they had a great desire. They knew something special was happening inside the holiest of holies. They got strange fire, went in, and God dropped them like a hot rock. They drop dead immediately. Listen, it's just as imperative that you and I get in our right place as it is for us to be in the wrong place. And let me give you these three things, and I'm going to quit. I, I wrote the, 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 the thought down, and it may be better, better stated some way, but, but, but there are three kinds of Christians, at least. Y'all know that. Number one, there are certain people that are content to just simply stay right where they're at, where they're being, that safe place. Just simply stay right there. And, and if that's you, that's okay. If, if you're content, if, if you've got all you want, if, if there's nothing more for you, you know what? God will let you stay right there. You, you'll be a part of that whole nation that enter the promised land. Isn't that amazing? Listen, folks, what I'm saying, God doesn't force anything on us. God will let us draw as close to Him as we want to be. When we, do you ever notice how James write that, draw nigh unto God and He will draw nigh unto you? He lets us make the initiative. We start and then God will respond. Isn't that amazing? Content. You know, being in the safe place is not always the best place. But I understand it. I'll never forget one time. There was this, this psychiatrist, a noted psychiatrist in the area. He's dead and gone now. He had a woman that was narcissistic. And he said, you'd note if you ever see her. And when she walked in the door, she was decked out to the hilt. Now, there's nothing wrong with being dressed well and whatnot. But when it becomes a, a problem, then it is a problem. Long story short, Said she sat down at his desk and said, How do you think that I may help you? He said, Well, she reached into her purse, pulled out a list of paper. He said, I'm telling you, Tom. He said, It looked like a it looked like a roll of paper that you'd have on a registry at a store or in a checkout line. And she said she began to unroll that and it just fell out on the floor. 
He said, I looked at that. I looked at her. She handed it to me. I took it, watered it up, and threw it in the, in the wastebasket. He said, she looked at me. I looked at her. He, she said, she got up, reached in the wastebasket, got her list, and walked out and haven't seen her since. That's sad. She went there, supposedly for help. But when she got there, she decided... She liked where she was at more than, listen now, taking the risk to move somewhere else. Do you all know the strange thing is, and I've learned this in counseling, there are people that I don't care how much pain they're in, what kind of a black, dark place they're in. It's all they can do to get a breath of air, all they can do to survive at times. They are more comfortable in their pain, listen now, that they're familiar with than they are moving to something that they're totally ignorant of. Because look here. As long as they're here, they know what to expect. They know how to respond. They know how to handle it. They've done it day in and day out. But if they move over here, guess what? They've got to learn something new. They've got to become something more. Life is going to demand from them something, friend, that they've never had to give. But here's the kicker. Once you get over here, you'll find probably that it's better than being over here. But if you're content, listen to what I'm going to say. God will let you there, let you stay there. But if you're content, be the best you can be in your contentment. Y'all still awful quiet. Number two. Then those, there are those that are willing to go so far, maybe even a little bit up the mountain, but not too far. They're in, they're not all in. I never forget one time, maybe I ought to preach it here sometime. I preached on, on my radio program, give it the kutash. I had a guy write me a letter. He said, I want you to know, preacher, I looked for the word kutash in every dictionary that I could find and couldn't find the kutash. Well, it was a man's name. I got the message because Chuck Swindoll gave an illustration and he and his sister, what's her name, Debbie? Lucy, thank you all. We're on, on vacations down at their grandpa's uh, cabin on, on the bayou or somewhere down in, in Texas. They used to go fishing. And there was a guy that always sat on the pier, said he was faithful, said he was there every day. And he said he would throw his line out in that place where nothing but maybe gars were. And there was more tires and junk in that area where he, he fished. And, but he said, I'll tell you what, he was there faithful every day. And he said if his bobble bobble just a little bit, he said you better duck because Mr. Kutas would jerk like he was catching Moby Dick. He said the line would wrap around posts, wrap around your head. One day he said it caught him, I believe it was in, in the pants, wasn't it, in his pants? And, and he and Lucy started saying, well, let's give it the kutash. Meaning, listen now, wherever you're at, give it all you got. That, that's pretty good advice right there. If you're at the foot of the mountain, halfway up the mountain, give it the kutash. But wait just a minute. You know what mediocrity is? You're just halfway. Listen, I, I don't want that in my life, spiritually speaking. 
Let me move on. Judy, you can hit the piano if you want. The third kind, it's those who are willing to leave the familiar, climb the mountain, take the risks, put in the time, put in the effort to go higher. They want to be there wherever that's at. They want to get to where God is. They want, to, they, they want to get close enough to God to hear His Word, to be in His presence, to live in, in the wonder of it all. Maybe even get some of the stuff that they've never had before. I'll be honest with you. I like some stuff God's given me, but I think He's got more. Matter of fact, I preached a message from the pulpit down the side of the road. Much more. God's got much more than He does. That's a phrase Paul uses quite often in his writing. Now listen, in closing, the only people I know that starts on the top in grave digging, the only people that I know starts on the top of things is a grave digger. But to get to the top, we've got to decide for ourselves. You've got to decide whether you're content where you're at to be at the foot of the mountain, for some people, that's where they're designed for. I understand that. But how do you know until you seek the Lord? Remember, James again says, come unto me. Or, or Jesus says, come unto me. And then James says, draw nigh unto God. To me, that's open. It's not like God established it in the law. When they got the foot of Mount Sinai, God told Moses, said, listen, you put a fence around this place and you don't let anybody come any closer to that fence because if they do or a beast does, they're going to be killed got a slave see Calvary changed that and he tells me and you to come nigh so if they ever head bowed nobody looking around I'm going to ask you something 